0: Like millions of other Americans last Monday night, I was watching Monday night football when Joe Burrows hit T. Higgins coming across the middle around the 50-yard line and DeMar Hamlin made the tackle on him and then stood up and absolutely collapsed. I I I saw him collapse and I, in that split-second moment that I saw that on the camera, I kind of thought, I wonder if there is something wrong or if he's trying to delay the game or I just thought I've never, I've been watching football since I was a little, little boy and I've never seen anybody fall like that. And then as many of you know or have read over the last few weeks or the last few days, CPR was administered and he was taken away and fortunately and through, I think, many prayers uh, yesterday, uh, yesterday he actually, uh, wrote and FaceTimed with his team and he is doing, doing well at this moment. But as I thought about that moment, we have watched and I have watched, you know, lots of football through my growing up years. And as an adult, I don't watch as much, but I try to catch a little bit here and there. I've watched guys tackle each other hundreds of thousands of times and I've never seen anything like that. But how life can change in a split second? How life can change in a split second? A distracted driver for a split second can change your life or family forever. A doctor saying, blockage in your heart, cancer, leukemia can change can change your heart and life and perspective there's a lot of things that can happen in in just a split second that changes everything that we know in life a split second the truth is is that all of us are just a a heartbeat away from eternity And when we think about eternity and stepping into eternity, there's two things that we need to be sure of. Two things. One is, is that we're right with God because we have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. We have trusted that Jesus died on the cross for our sin and rose again. We are what we would call saved. We know that we know the Lord. And the second thing is, is not only that we're right with God through Jesus But the second thing that we want to know as we step into eternity is that I ran my race well. That I lived for more than just the pleasures and materialism of this world. And today we we begin to think about living on mission. That means that I'm living in such a relationship with the Lord... That I am investing in my, my life in the things of eternity. I'm, I'm right with Jesus through salvation. But I want to show and help others see the way of salvation through my service. So take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse number 10 today. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10. We're just going to look at that one verse, but if you have your Bible this morning, I encourage you to keep it open because we're going to be, be scanning the first 10 verses of Ephesians 2, not just this one verse. But Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10 says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. We are his workmanship, and God has prepared ahead of time some good works for us to do. With that, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for the truth in it. And God, speak to us today. And may we know that we're right with you through Jesus, and may we run our race well for Jesus. In your name, amen. As Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, he has spent the uh, opening chapter with a long prayer for them, and then in chapter 2, he begins and he really kind of walks through the testimony. Of believers. And he closes with that verse in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10 that reminds us that we are his workmanship. Now oftentimes when when you were like, I, I was probably in, in elementary school or middle school and we had to memorize Bible verses, we memorized Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. That is the salvation passage and it is an, a vital passage for us. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. It tells us that salvation is by God's grace and through our faith and that it cannot be accomplished through our deeds. We will never and no one will ever get to heaven because they have done good things. Matter of fact, the only thing that I could bring to the table before the Lord were sins and good things that were really just filthy rags before him. And so the picture is that God, through his grace and through our faith, has brought salvation into our life, but we kind of quit there. Not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. And we stop at the gift of God and we don't proceed on to verse number 10 with that conjunction for, and he's going to say, now this is why we're saved by grace through faith, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Could you imagine preparing someone for their wedding day? and you go through all of the preparations for their wedding day, and you have everything in order and everything intact, and they walk down the aisle and they say, I do. And then you close the story there. That's what we do when we read Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We talk about the commitment to Christ and salvation, But listen, beyond the wedding ceremony, there's a marriage that is to be experienced. And for us, beyond the salvation moment, there is a life of purpose and relationship that is to be experienced. And God wants us not just to say, hey, I know I've prayed a salvation prayer, but no, he wants us to be involved in this relationship with him as a new creation. And he wants us to recognize that we are on mission for him. We're on mission. That's why you're here. Well, I tell? And may I tell you that, that when mission is done and mission is accomplished, he'll take you home. But right now, if you're here, you still have a pulse. God still has a plan and God has good works for us to do. So let's think about living on mission. So as we're going to think about living on mission, I think in this passage, we really get this picture of of what it means to live on mission. First off, if we're going to live on mission, we need to remain grateful to God. We must remain grateful to God. As, as we look at this passage, we're to remain grateful to God and specifically to remain grateful for his grace. Now, the first three verses of Ephesians chapter 2, Talk about our sinfulness. And Paul, I think, challenges us to look back and to remember our sinfulness. And if you're looking at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1, it tells us that we were dead in sin. If you take a few extra notes and you want to jot down, don't only remember that our sinfulness, but also to, to jot down that we were dead in our sins. So we look back and we remember our sinfulness or we remember the sinfulness of our life. And then we remember that we were spiritually dead. Now, in the movie, The Princess Bride, Wesley, the main character, is put through a torture chamber and then he is, quote, dead. But he's taken to Miracle Max and Miracle Max proclaims that he is only mostly dead. All right. Now, There is no mostly dead for us as it comes to our spiritual condition. It tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. That means that we were unable... To even without God's spirit be sensitive to the things of God working in our life. We were so wrapped up in self and sin that we were insensitive to God working. And had it not been for God's spirit, we would never come to salvation. So in verse number one, he uses the word dead. In verse number two, I think it's the last word in most of, of, of most versions. It's the word disobedient that it talks about the, the how Satan, as the prince of the power of the air, the ruler of this world, works in the spirit of the disobedient. So when we remember our sinfulness, we're looking back and saying, we were spiritually dead and we were also disobedient. We weren't doing the things that God wanted us to do. And then in verse number 3, it says that we were by nature children of wrath, so that we were dead. We were disobedient, and then ultimately we were doomed. This is the testimony of believers before they came to know Jesus, that we were separated from God, dead in our sin, disobedient, an enemy of God, and because of our sinfulness, we were doomed to face God's wrath. But then the first two words of verse number four change everything. It gives the contrasting conjunction, the word but. But God. Now, it gives the picture that we were dead in our sin, we were disobedient to God, we were doomed as a child of wrath, but god god intervenes when we were dead and disobedient and doomed and it says but god who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead has made us alive together with christ for by grace you have been saved there's the picture we not only remember our sinfulness but we recognize god's grace We recognize God's grace. What is God's grace? I love how one person has taken the word grace and they've used it as an acrostic. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. That means that God, out of his undeserved favor unmerited favor toward us as he just looked upon us and decided to choose to set his affection upon us and his grace upon us has reached out to show us grace when we deserved punishment when we reserved his deserved his wrath he instead has extended grace so we recognize god's grace for by grace are you saved and then with that, as we, we remain grateful for God's grace, we remember our sinfulness and we recognize God's grace. And then we just remain grateful. Now, in our life and in our world, everything in the world is a distraction. All of the trappings of materialism and seeking pleasure and moving up ladders, all of those things can be major distractions that cause us to miss the grateful heart that we have toward god and salvation let me put it this way when you look at your neighbor who got a new car and you begin to think about man how could he afford such a nice car why does he have such a nice car why don't i have such a nice car and i begin to look at that possession that he is and i then become covetous and envious of what he has and i lose track and forget Of what God has already given me in Christ. I lose my gratefulness. When someone else who's seemingly living an ungodly life. And it looks like man they are prospering and their health is great. And their struggles in my life. and, And it just doesn't seem fair. What happens at that moment is if I'm. Focused on them alone, I miss and forget all that God has done for me. And and may I remind us, God has not only taken care of us and is not only taking care of us for life, but for eternity. And so the picture is, is when we lose our gratefulness uh, amid the trappings of this world in which we live, no longer are we... Grateful and no longer are we really living on mission. We're living a life that is covetous. And we're living a life of discontentment. And ultimately, when we look at who that discontentment points to, we say, God, why does he and why not me? And that discontentment not only grows to be toward our neighbor, but it ultimately grows toward God himself. Can I tell you what you deserve? You deserve eternal separation from God forever. That's what you deserve. Can I tell you what you get? You get forgiveness, adoption into his family. You get a new life as a, cre- a new creation. You get complete forgiveness of all sin. You get the security of being in his hand. You are justified by faith, uh, justified before God by faith because of the grace that he has provided for us so that I am in a right relationship with him. My name is written in heaven. I am a citizen of heaven, Philippians 3 tells me. And when I forget all the things God has done for me, And I just look out at what somebody else has. I miss it all. So I think Paul, before he tells us that we're workmanship created in Christ, he goes back and says, remember who you were and remember what I did. Remain grateful for God's grace. Secondly, we need to remain submissive in God's hand. We remain submissive in God's hand. Now, in the first five words of Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship. Those four key words, we are his workmanship. We, that means those who have received God's grace through faith, salvation, we are his workmanship. There's a present aspect to this. We are presently, Whether you're being a good worker or a bad worker, God says you're his workmanship. But then thirdly, as we look at those four words, we are his, we are his. And that's where we have to stop just for a moment. We are his. When we think about being submissive to God's hand and living on mission, we have to recognize we're his. We don't belong to us. First Corinthians chapter six, verse number 19 Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. The picture is, is you've been bought. At that moment of salvation where you were adopted into God's family, you came under new ownership you were once controlled by the prince of the power of the air. Now you have been inhabited and are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And you were bought with a price. You don't belong to yourself anymore. As Paul would say in Romans fourteen eight. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. We're his. That's not, listen, that's just not at the moment of death. People want to find that that sweet spot when they die and say, oh, I know I'm the Lord's. Listen, don't wait until you're on your deathbed to say, I'm the Lord's. Live it out now. It's his workmanship. I'm his. I don't get to call the shots. I don't get to, to rule my own life. I'm not the captain of my own ship. I'm not the master of my own fate. I belong to him. He's my shepherd, my master, my leader, my father. My owner, I've been bought with a price. But then we are his workmanship. The word workmanship is a great, great word in Greek. It is the word poema, from which we get the word poem. It is picturing a work of art. Now, you have seen, and you can go to the St. Louis uh, art museum and you can look at all kinds of different pieces of art there are some beautiful pictures and sculptures that we understand and we can see and make out and they make good sense to us there's some other really weird abstract stuff that's out there that like dude i mean i don't get that at all i don't understand it what was that guy thinking or what was he on at that moment? And people call that art. And I don't know. It, it just, you know, it looks like something maybe my kids brought home when they were in second or third grade to me. But, but, but listen, listen what Timothy Keller said. Do you know what it means that you are God's workmanship? What is art? Art is beautiful. Art is valuable and art is an expression of the inner being of the maker of the artist. So sometimes when you see that weird stuff out there, it is is a reflection of the inner being of what's going on in somebody's life. But notice what he then says. Imagine what that means. You're beautiful. You're valuable. You're an expression of the very inner being of the divine artist. God himself. God takes your life, all the rough edges, all the challenging parts, and he sculpts out, or he paints, or he forms a valuable work of art. For we are his workmanship. Notice, created in Christ Jesus. We are an expression of the inner heart of God. They say that Michelangelo one time was sculpting and there was this big stone that he, he was working on. And somebody said, what are you doing? And he says, I'm releasing an angel from this piece of stone. I think he used the word liberating. I'm liberating an angel from this piece of stone. Some of us may feel like we're just a piece of old stone. And yet, God is at work. Shaping you. Molding you. Working on you. To make you beautiful and valuable as one of his workmanship. Can I tell you today, the world wants to say you're valuable just because you're you. And some people look at themselves and they say, well, I don't feel valuable. And if I don't feel valuable, then I must not be valuable. And what does being me have to do with that? Let me tell you why you're valuable. Because you have been created by the almighty God. God. And those of us who know him have been recreated in Christ. We're a new creation. And now God says that we are his piece of art. Now, most of the time when we look in the mirror, we think, man, there's a piece of work right there. And God says, no, you're a piece of art and i am at work and i'm at work because you are my workmanship can i challenge you today can can i just show you and share with you his heart for your life and say you are valuable in christ that you have been created in him and that you have a part in god's plan for the kingdom you're valuable God not only sent his son to die on the cross for you, to show you and to pay the price for your sin, he also shapes you and molds you as his piece of art. Listen, if Jesus would have gone to the cross, that would have shown our value enough, right? I mean, something's worth what someone else will pay for it. And Jesus went to the cross for us to show that we were paid for By his own blood, by the son of God who died for us. That's what was paid for your salvation. But God says, I'm just not stopping there. Not only am I going to pay the price in sending my son, but I'm going to make you as a new creation and a work of art to be used for my kingdom. Remain submissive to his hand. There's an old song that I sang as a child. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And he's still working on us. Listen, there's still some rough edges in my life. There's still some some touch-ups that need to be done. But until that day he calls me home, I'm to remain submissive to his hand and be a worker. Thirdly, as we think about looking back, remaining this heart of gratefulness and remaining submissive. Thirdly, we remain inspired by God's work. Notice what Ephesians 2.10 says. For we are his workmanship. We were created in Christ Jesus. But, but notice the implication of this. For good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. The word good, there's different Greek words for the word good. This word good means to benefit others. That we are created for the good works of benefiting others. This is not like good, like that art is good or, you know, pizza is good. This is, this is the word specifically meaning that we were created for the work of benefiting and encouraging and bringing profit, not necessarily financial profit, but spiritual profit into the lives of others. We're to benefit them. That's what he means by the word. We are created for good works. But notice what it says, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. We, remind, we, we remain inspired in the work because we remain inspired because of the sovereign plan of God. Notice what it says here. Now, now you, you have to really take Ephesians 2.10 to heart here. That God has good works that he has prepared ahead of time for us to do. That God has you here because there's still something out there that he, in his sovereign hand, has planned for you to do as good works to benefit the kingdom. Got it? These were prepared beforehand. This is not just before your salvation. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 5, just for a moment. In Jeremiah 1.5, the word of the Lord came to me. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Before Jeremiah was formed in the womb, God had good works for him to do. He was to be a prophet to the nations. And when we get the picture here, God has good works for us to do beforehand, before our salvation, before our birth, eternity past. How far do you want to go back? The picture is, is God in his sovereign plan of the universe has something for you to do. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. That's what living on mission means. God has something for you to do. He has it planned. He has it planned. Can I tell you today? When we say God loves you and has a plan for your life, as believers, we know God does have a plan for our life. I plan this in my sovereign plan beforehand, that you should do this. So living on mission means that I'm just joining God in what he has already planned for me to do. So I want to seek and to find his will, and then I want to follow his will. That's the picture. And do what God has prepared for me to do. Now, notice he says, That we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time or beforehand for us to do. But God created us in Christ Jesus for good works. We remain inspired because God does. He has a personal opportunity for us to serve him. A personal opportunity. Sometimes we as pastors feel like, man, we need to guilt people into stuff. If we need something going, if we could just preach a hard enough, convicting enough message, then we'll get people to serve. Let me just tell you, God has good works for you, and he is giving you the opportunity to do them. And what did I say at the beginning of the message? There's two things that we want to make sure of at the time of our death. That we're right, salvation, that we have run well. This involves running well. Our personal opportunity to serve God. This can be in big ways and small ways. Yesterday I went to lunch with my mom. Some of you have seen on Facebook yesterday was the 27th anniversary of my brother Lee stepping into eternity. And uh, my dad was going off with my brother to a fishing show. And so I called my mom and said, Mom, let's just go to lunch. And so it was just me and my mom, and we went to lunch. And uh, the young waitress that was there, I uh, I just said, Hey, uh, we're going to pray for our food. Is there anything I can pray for you about? Not hard. She was very sweet. And uh, she shared her prayer request, and I could tell just... Life and what she had given just as background probably didn't know the Lord. And so I prayed for her prayer request and I prayed that she would know God's direction for her life. And you know what the sweet thing was? She stayed. She stayed right there. She said, Oh, I hope you don't mind that. I joined you. And then at the end of our meal and we tipped and I said, Hey, this has a calendar on one side, but on the other side of this, It has really a picture of what God's plan and direction for our life is to be. Very simple. There's hundreds of these out at the uh, info center. If not, there's not. There's a few hundred more in my office. And just uh, taking one of these and just doing something. Just doing something, uh, uh, a good work. Just saying, Lord, I just want to shine just a little bit. I I don't know. I don't know if she'll ever come to Christ. I, I don't know. But I just want to do something good for her. I want to tip her and tip her well, but I want to do something more important. I want to give her a picture of how much Jesus loves her. There's a personal opportunity. I've had people who've rejected those kind of things, and they just didn't want it. They didn't have any interest. I don't take offense at that, you know. Every once in a while when you go fishing and you cast, sometimes you get a snag, all right? If you've ever fished more than five minutes. The the, the picture is some not not every cast is going to be uh bring a fish in. But there's a personal opportunity for us to serve God. Stopped and saw someone yesterday as well, just going through an issue. Just prayed with them. Again, just do, trying to do something good. But but listen, remind, remain inspired. God's giving you a personal opportunity. Whether you take that opportunity or not, that's, that's your business and that's what you'll stand before God for. But don't say, I, I, I've never been asked to serve or I've never felt called to serve. Can I tell you, you're called to serve. You're called to do something. God shaped you and made you for that. And then, remain inspired by the eternal impact that God can bring. Can, can you imagine that we in our finite little minds, or with our finite little minds and in our finite little amount of time that we have on the earth, that we can impact someone's life for eternity? That's amazing to me. And so, that encourages me and inspires me. There were dozens of people, maybe now into the hundreds of thousands of people, who have just encouraged me and made a difference for eternity in my own life. So, can I lay a challenge before you in some regards with the holiday last weekend we 're really now i mean this is this we 're rolling into two thousand twenty three now I mean life 's going to get back to normal here and and with this call to be involved in god 's work and in god 's plan, can I challenge you to purpose in your heart to show at least one good work in the name of Jesus this week i 'm not just saying you know uh I, you know, I, I, I mean, purposing in our heart to say, Lord, I am setting out this week to do something for you. It, it may be, it may be bringing a meal to someone. It may be writing a card to someone. It may be sharing the gospel with someone. It, it, it may be passing out a card to someone. It may be, uh, investing time in prayer for someone and then letting them know. Listen, would you purpose this week, if God created you for good works in the 167 hours until we come back again next week, can you find one thing to do in someone's life to purpose to show good works for Jesus? If you can't find an opportunity in the next 167 hours... Then you may need to question whether you're a workman created in Christ Jesus. And I want it to be written down, and I pray that these notes just won't be something tacked into your Bible, but that somehow in some way that you're gonna, you're gonna plant in your heart this week, this week, that I'm going to do something specific for Jesus. And with that, Let's pray. Lord, for those of us who are saved, we are your workmanship. We're valuable. We're your work of art. We look at the the skies and the sun and the moon around us and they proclaim the glory of God. But we as believers, we've been created in Christ Jesus and we're to show and to proclaim that glory of the Lord as well. So Lord, I pray that hundreds of good works in your name will be done this week because, you're, because we are your workmen. May we walk in the opportunities that you have given us. May we impact people for eternity. And may we again just be in awe that you have prepared all of this beforehand. Mm. It's amazing. And we thank you, Lord.